Welcome to the FinOps Show. I'm the host, Chris Love. On the show, we break down cost savings insights from world-class industry leaders. FinOps is an emerging practice that helps companies focus on computer infrastructure cost savings. For years, there's been a gap between earnings, profits, and computer engineering costs. Our guests provide information that will help you bridge that black hole. We bridge the hole through culture and process changes backed by data and financial management. Today, we're joined by Dieter Madzion. He has been working in cloud FinOps since 2013 at companies like Google, Netflix, Intuit, and most recently, Roku. He's a FinOps ambassador, O'Reilly Media author, and a YouTube creator. Well, welcome to the show today, Dieter. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Of course. Thanks for having me here. Totally. So let's just jump right into it. Where's one of the areas that you see companies have the most waste uh, that can be addressed by FinOps? I think when it comes to waste, uh, typically it is virtual machines, right? I personally see virtual machines as um, almost like a legacy thing when you go, and it's fair to say that also 95% of all IT is still happening in the data centers and not in the cloud, right? So when you go from the from the data center into the cloud, you typically do a lift and shift. You use T-shirt sizes, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, um, to determine what VMs you need in the cloud, right? And I think it is important to actually get into the cloud as, as quickly as possible because you have more flexibility there than you have in the data center, right? You, if you want to run an experiment that needs 100,000 cores for four hours, um, that will be rather difficult to do in the data center, right? But in the cloud, you can do this as long as you Put the, put the check up at the end of the month, that's that's totally in, right? Um, so it is important to, uh, when you when you go into the cloud to do this quickly, uh, yeah. but then you need to also refactor, right? Uh, there's multiple things that you can do, right sizing, cloud parking, if the workload doesn't have to be uh, on 24 seven, um, using more uh, cloud native services, uh, those kind of things, right? So um, unfortunately we don't have uh, none of the major cloud providers, AWS, uh, GCP, and Azure, uh, have the capability to have a um, the the VM automatically go in a hibernation mode like your laptop does when you close it. Right? Um, <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is it maybe maybe you know reinvents this next week. Maybe you should talk to AWS. Say, hey, you guys need yeah. a feature a pause button that automatically yeah. happens for us. I actually talked to the Oracle people about that. Yeah. Um, there, there is some technologies that you can use. You can have a really lightweight container in front of the VM uh, yeah. that takes any inbound network and wakes up the VM and then uh, puts it through. Snowflake has that capability already, right? right? Uh, Snowflake, cool. you can configure it to go into standby mode, right? So unfortunately, there is no standby mode uh, for the for the most part for, for regular VMs, right? And so I think there's a lot of that waste that is happening. Um, when it comes to cloud waste, um, there is also, you know, when an engineer does an experiment mm -hmm. uh, and the experiment is not successful, they immediately terminate everything and, and, and dismantle it, right? But if it is successful, um, you know, they, they want to show it to their friends, right? They, they want to sort of get validation, right? And that process might be like two, three, four weeks and this this experiment is now you know affecting starting to affect the budget yeah. right so there's there's those kind of things as well and then 
you know, the, the, the usual things of like um, virtual disks uh, that stay up after a VM has been shut down, right? Um, and they have to be uh, separately um, deleted or removed. Um, th there, there's lots of those types of things. We call them waste sensors. And the FinOps Foundation actually has on their GitHub a list of waste sensors. I don't know how many is, 40, 50, something like that. Right, right. And uh, you brought up bare metal. And, and to me, you know, FinOps kind of starts with the cloud, but, uh, you know, it's, you can still put dollars and cents on bare metal, of course. Uh, the other thing that you brought up was, you know, refactoring and T-shirt sizing, moving to the cloud. When a company's T-shirt sizing going from data center to cloud to, to cloud native, is there anything that they should w watch out for in terms of cost? It, yeah, I mean, you know, the T-shirt sizing is a good first step, right? But um, the it is very rough, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and typically, in, in my experience, engineers over provision, right? Uh, the the nobody is opening the wallet and has to put the dollars on the table themselves, right? right. Um, so you know there is if if the workload fails, then it's the engineer's fault. If the workload is over provisioned, then you know the FinOps team will eventually start harassing the engineers. But um, at least there is no direct impact, right? right. So there is there is that, right? Um, and then you know each of the cloud providers has a um, cost calculator, right? So you can get it for AWS, um, uh, Azure, GCP, Oracle, and likely IBM has a cost calculator as well, right? Uh, however, when when using the cost calculator, you need to be relatively accurate, right? You need to um, consider data transfer costs, right? Um, and maybe in the in the data center you have not measured that because you know, really frankly, in the cloud, how data transfer cost is metered or, or built is ridiculous right because the the this is not how how networking works right you you buy the network device and and then you need to accrue the the cost of the network device right uh right. think of your home wi-fi router right um you buy this thing once and use it probably for like five five seven years or something like that until something better comes out right or that thing um yeah. dies on you right um, you don't pay by the by the gigabyte transfer, right? That's that's not a thing. Um, but in the cloud, you get metered by the gigabyte, and so um, having the data transfer cost is typically a component that I see being forgotten. Yeah, yeah, and it's especially in between re uh, availability zones. You know, if you have say a, a, a cluster that you know Kubernetes or what have you that spans AZs, you're going to get you're gonna get a lot of costs that you're not expecting when you look at your bill at the end of the month. Exactly right. uh, for folks that are starting or folks that are focusing more on FinOps, what's one of the easiest ways to reduce costs in the cloud in your opinion? One of the easiest ways, um, you know, what I would do is look at, um, if, if you have a dashboard that shows you mm -hmm. waste, right? Um, so on the AWS side, there is a QuickSight dashboard that you can uh, set up, uh, which is called the Kudos dashboard, or at least it used to be. Um, and the Kudos dashboard also comes with a uh, KPI tracker. And the KPI tracker, it's called KPI tracker, but it's really a waste dashboard, right? So you can install that thing um, and then uh, give it some time and, and see 
um, what it shows as, as your waste opportunities. Um, when I worked at Intuit, what we did is we built a, uh, a waste dashboard where the highest dollar value was sorted to the top. And the waste was calculated of this is the current cost, this is how the optimized workload would cost, and we would display the difference between the right. current and the optimized cost, right? And, and that is the dollar number in waste. One of the first things that was requested is exceptions. <laughs> the, the engineer said, I, I have a workload that is wasteful, but it's maybe running on Windows servers or something like that, right? Um, we cannot change that. There is a plan to retire that in two years, right? But I don't want my item on, on that dashboard, right? So that right. was the, the first experience that we had um, is people wanted exceptions. And what we did is we made the exceptions to have a timeout, right? You tell me how, how long that is, three months, 12 months, whatever. Um, and then the exception will go away so that those things are being surfaced again. Um, it is also, when you do that with the exceptions, it is also important to have an ability to view those exceptions um, because there could be phases in your uh, business uh, life cycle, right, where you want to specifically look at optimizations. Now, uh, we are potentially looking at the recession early 2023, right? And so uh, a lot of uh, businesses are now switching and, and looking for those actively, those opportunities, right? So to, to not have them visible is one thing, but to be able to surface that back uh, in, into people's forefront of thinking uh, is an important capability that we need. Yeah, well, and that, that is a great transition uh, to the next question I have. And what, you know, with the economic times, we're definitely, we have some uncertainty. Um, whether or not, you know, where, where we're heading is the uncertainty. What are some things that executives should focus on when looking at FinOps, when looking at their cloud bill? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think from an executive level, what I have seen is just really high-level generic goals, right? We need mm -hmm. to reduce our cloud cost by X percentage, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, at my current employer, we are um, using AWS about, you know, 80%, and then um, maybe GCP another 18%, and then uh, Azure is 2%, right? So um, the, the, such a mandate would go across all uh, cloud providers, right? Although in our case on AWS is the, the largest opportunity. And then each team can figure out um, you know, how they can reduce the cloud bill. Now that said, mm -hmm. at my current employer, the um, when I started, the waste was uh, less than 1%. Which really? Was, yeah, when I started- That's, it, that's I couldn't believe unheard it. of. Half of my job is gone. So <laughs> believe me how I you worked, you, they, I you, worked out, you worked yourself out of a job. Yeah, yes. So, you know, uh, when, I, when I started at Intuit, uh, we had 30% waste. Yeah, um, that's 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 about industry standard, right? That's 20 to 20 yeah. to 30% waste, and and waste. We're not talking about optimizing applications. We're not talking about doing any of those things. We're simply saying, turn off this application. We don't need it. That's right, right? There was a database server that in the last 90 days had no inbound or outbound network traffic. Yeah. So yeah. what is it doing, right? Um, yeah, so for, I think from the executives, we, we should expect more generic high-level goals, right? Um, and then in combination with our waste is less than 1%, um, we 
waste itself is not a solution for any substantial cost savings, right? If you were to go and wanted to, you know, save 10, 15, 20%, um, we need to look at applications. Um, you know, what, what is it that they do uh, uh, inefficiently? One example that you brought up was um, that AWS encourages you to spread your application across um, free availability zones, right? Um, yeah. That has underlying network traffic. So, um, you know, one thing that you could do is just go with two availability zones, right? Um, or one. In, yeah, exactly. What's right? like if you don't, if you just need three nines, that's a single availability zone. Why are we like in, and most of the time you're like, okay, well, what's your SLO and SLA? And right. you're like, what? I'm like, well, I don't know. We need, <laughs> we, we need SLOs and SLAs so that we can exactly. figure out what availability you need. Yes. So, uh, yeah. so many times I see that, um, you know, that can already uh, result in a reduction, right? And then you need mm -hmm. to go and look at your, your, you need a data management policy, right? Uh, you, you can't just like create data. It's like filling water into a balloon, right? It mm -hmm. will just come, become bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not just talking about uh, retiring data, right? Um, and, or moving it to colder uh, storage options or just simply deleting it but also uh, maybe compressing it and then yeah. storing it, right? And then if you need it, you uncompress it and, and then you have access to your data. So you need sort of like a data management strategy as well. Right, yeah, totally. And, and just looping back to your point, um, executives need to set goals, realistic goals. And yeah. then from those goals, they need to provide you know, the time and resources so that uh, teams can meet those goals. Uh, you know, what do you feel, you know, we talked about data persistence, we've talked about network traffic, uh, we've talked about dashboards. What do you feel are a few of the biggest hurdles that companies that are just starting off with FinOps are encountering today? Uh, I think the biggest hurdle is to um, es establish a FinOps practice, and that doesn't mean that you hire a person, right? Uh, uh, the, the practice means that people are pr practicing FinOps, right? So you need um, engineering support, engineering engagement, right? And however, the engineer will not be able to do anything if uh, their sprints, they, they already have their deliverables, right? They already have their, their roadmap uh, for the most part nine, 12 months out. So they, they can't just squeeze something in there. Um, there has to be management support, right? And for management to yeah. say, hey, you know what, we take a portion of a sprint um, and dedicate that to improvements, eff efficiency improvements, right? Usage optimization. Yeah, totally. um, for the manager to be able to, to say that, right? They, they need their manager to support it, right? So ultimately, I think it it is it works better if it comes top down, right? When, when the executives are educated, okay. know about FinOps, and they say, okay, we, we need to um, include FinOps in our daily routines. Yeah, yeah, it's, we, we need the time. We need the time, resources, to be able to save money. So, you know, and this is, this is again, another good segue, talking about you actually have to do the FinOps. It's not just, okay, let's make the pretty <laughs> dashboards, let's get the people in place. It's actually, the engineers that turn the knobs need needed the time to do it. And to me, that's a culture change. So yeah. with that in mind, what are some tips for companies to change their culture towards frugality, towards you know the goals that the executives have set? 
because culture change is hard to me. It is, uh, it is, but you can um, facilitate a culture change with with training and and, and education uh, gradually, mm -hmm. right? Um, one thing that I've been doing, and I started doing that uh, actually back at Netflix, um, and then you know I, I got sort of like a rhythm. I built a process because uh, back in uh, in 2015, when I moved from Google to Netflix, there there was no FinOps, cloud FinOps book, right? There was no 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 guidance on how to do those things. So at Intuit, I actually went really into, into that system that I built uh, where I have monthly tech talks. I bring in the vendor, right? And the vendor talks about one topic, right? And it, the, the talk itself is always structured with like the first half is sort of like high-level overview, um, you know, for the managers to be able to see roadmap, those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second half of the tech talk, uh, we do a, a hands-on, uh, you know, demos, deep dive into the technology, um, questions from the engineers that work with that technology, right? Those tech talks are recorded, and then the recording is being made available for when new engineers start working at the company, Beautiful. right? in conjunction with um, having a Slack channel where the vendor mm -hmm. is on that Slack channel, right? And engineers can ask questions, hey, or maybe escalate a support case, right? I just opened a support case. This is really important. I wanted to give you a heads up, those kind of things, right? Um, over time, um, there, there will always in those tech talks, there will be a, a focus on cost as well, right? So we did uh, one just this morning on DynamoDB and DAX, and Very the cool. speaker fantastic job um, going into the cost implications of, you know, um, how to tune your tables. Um, and, and you know, there was a lot of engineering questions as well. So, um, you know, the combination of, of those things um, basically moves the um, uh, usage optimizations uh, to the forefront of the thinking of the engineers, right? It yeah. becomes a more natural thing. And ideally what you want to accomplish is that uh, cost is just another dimension that mm -hmm. the engineers want to optimize. Yeah, yeah, and gives them confidence too, right? You, you, you know, you made the point that engineers are developing product, and their job is to keep the product on. And they, you also said something that's very true: they over provision. Well, the reason they over provision is so that they're not woken up at two a.m. and right. the product functions. And now you're asking them hey, we need to optimize this. We need to reduce costs by 20%. So if you give them, like you said, key information on how to optimize Dynamo, rather than say, hey, go optimize Dynamo, yes. they're going to be, they're not going to have the confidence in order to do it that they're not going to be woken up at 2 a.m. So that's really, really great points. And I like the way you're doing brown bags or brown lunches. There we go. Well, uh, we, when we went uh, to the office, right, we, we used to have like some food delivered, you know, and, and mm -hmm. stickers, you know, <laughs> engineers like stickers for the laptop. Don't we all? Don't we all? So let's flip this around a bit. If you're, if your company's new into, into FinOps, you're hearing about it, but the bosses aren't doing it yet. And you mentioned change from top down is great, but often change comes from bottom up as well. What are some tips? that you could give an engineer that's going to their um, their boss or to the director on, hey, 
you know, you, will you give us some time to save you save some money? What are what are some tricks to start that conversation? I would uh, build a business case, right? And that is something that engineers are not really familiar with, right? <laughs> so uh, a business case, you 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 have sort of like an example, right? So let's say you find an, a usage optimization, right? You quantify it, maybe it's fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars a month, right? Um, and so that is your your lead in, right? Is we have we we found this thing. And then the business case is here is what it would take to execute on this, right? To to do the usage optimization. Um, we, you know, I actually, uh, you know, with my team, uh, we sat together, we estimated that, right? We again sort of t-shirt sized it, right? And we was thinking, you know, this might take like 20% um, of a sprint, right? Right. Um, and, and and that will give us fifty thousand um, dollars. And to to make this case, um, you know. You, you just walk the person through that, right? And and ask them if if you can have time to to work on this. Um, you know, maybe you have multiple of those things, right? Um, so give some options. If you only have one thing, the the manager can only say yes or no, right? They don't have any options. But um, you can do a little bit of a you know vacuum salesman trick, right? Where you say like, oh, here's the expensive model for a thousand dollars, right? Or you can buy this cheaper model for two hundred dollars, right? So you you use a similar um, negotiation tactic, right? Where you have maybe a couple of those, and they are all um, sized on how much effort they take. And then you know your engine your engineering manager, uh, instead of just having the ability to say yes or no, they actually feel like, hey, you know what? I can I can pick one of or two of those, mm -hmm. right? And you can influence that conversation this way. Yeah, it's it's called the good, better, best close. Uh, exactly. For the folks that folks that do sales, and you brought up some really good points in terms of it's a negotiation. Um, get the data, um, maybe even get a no. Um, no's are actually really important in terms of negotiations. Um, really good starting place. So wrap up with the last question I have today. Uh, if you had a billboard, say you're you've got you know the FinOps. Uh, uh, we've we've got an event coming up in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. and you're creating a billboard about FinOps for engineers, what would you say on it? Um, I would say FinOps is not about saving money. It is about getting the most out of every dollar that you spend in the cloud. Optimizing. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you speak a bit more about what you mean about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people think about um, it's it's about saving, right? Uh, about mm -hmm. cost reductions or or turning stuff off and, and and those kind of things, right? Think of it more of of uh, from an efficiency principle, right? Mm -hmm. um, engineers want to be efficient. Um, it is it is not really just about you know oh we saved X amount of dollars. It is that you're doing the same thing more efficiently now, mm -hmm. and I think that aligns more with engineering culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a um, the web Brown was on last episode and he talked about that optimization is a really interesting engineering problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah, make that optimize. Yeah, make that the problem that you're solving, not that we have to meet the budget. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything you wanted to wrap up on? Any any nuggets no, of I mean, wisdom? I would just want to give a shout out to the FinOps Foundation. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone can join. I believe a membership is free at the moment uh, for the time being. Um, you just need to apply as a practitioner, right? Mm -hmm. um, not as a company. Companies need to pay for membership, right? Mm -hmm. So, but practitioners, as far as I know, are free. 
And um, you know, if you if you just getting started with FinOps, maybe uh, read the Cloud FinOps book from J.R. Stormont and and Mike Fuller. That's a good starting point. And if you feel confident, you can actually get a FinOps practitioner certification. Very cool. Very cool. And what's the what, why don't you give out the URL for the FinOps Foundation as well? FinOps.org. Um, you kind of broke up on that. You want to repeat uh, that? It's, it's FinOps.org. Perfect. Perfect. Again, thank you for your time. I appreciate your insights and, and joining us today. Yeah, very happy. Thanks for having me here.